0: The following is brought to you by the Starfleet Podcast Network, SPN, The Spin. Because it's no-shave November, I don't look like Cisco right now, letting the the beard grow out. And I see that look for me, <laughs> I saw that. I, because I see you right there on the screen. Oh my God, really?
1: <laughs> oh, red alert.
0: Hi, it's Big J. And in just a moment, I will be presenting you with the needs of the one a Star Trek fan film from Avalon Universe. Afterwards, please join our Critical Not Cynical review where we discuss this Star Trek fan film with writer and director Joshua Irwin. Without further ado, here's the fan film titled The Needs of the One.
2: Curiosity. The movements in your current workout, they are fast, violent. It contradicts the movements taught in the Kung Fu class this week.
3: Well, terror martial arts are extremely diverse. Some are more expressive, as the word art would imply, whereas
2: others are more direct. Which do you prefer?
3: I found that there is great value in studying many different approaches, because not one way works 100% of the time. Logical. That, and it comes down to instinct, like finding out what works best for you, developing your own game, so to speak.
2: And yet, choosing the right approach would seem to be best decided through simple physics and anatomy. For example, in a confrontation between the two of us, my superior Vulcan strength should give me a definite advantage.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, strength isn't everything.
2: Please demonstrate. As I said, it's a simple matter of physics and anatomy.
3: You ever thought about working in
2: security? As Vulcans are pacifists, I prefer a vocation in the healing arts.
3: But you study the fighting arts.
2: As the Terran expression states, it is better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war.
3: And as a Vulcan might say, that is logical. Log start 8, 86988.4 After completing our successful rescue mission, the USS Excalibur is in the race against the clock. Both to investigate the gravitational anomaly in the Cygnus Alpha sector and escape Sheliak space. To that end, we will soon traverse through the most intense concentration of hyperonic radiation clouds in the delure Belt. Our shields should protect the crew. But it will require a massive transfer of power from the warp engines. It's also a chance for my new first officer to get some valuable command experience. I have faith in her, and this is a perfect opportunity for her to find that faith for herself.
4: Rerouting power
2: to
5: atmospheric- Good evening, Commander Allenby. We have brought the ship to a full stop and are ready to enter the radiation field at your command.
6: engineering uh what's the good
2: word i've transferred the primary plaza flow to the shield grid and the deflector beam it should be enough to counter the radiation but we can't overload the emitters like this for too long before we burn them out we'll need to drop our shields as soon as we're clear of the radiation best case scenario we'll only be looking at minor repairs
6: thank you ayoka um
2: bridge out
5: are you okay commander you appear
6: nervous I mean, I've only been dreading this moment since I came on board two days ago. My first watch on the bridge, and we're about to take the ship straight through the heart of a supernova. Commodore Jikande's playing another one of his jokes on me. That would be Jikande for you. You know, he likes to train his newbies by giving them very difficult tasks. Well, it's a two-for-one special then, I guess.
7: You
8: know, it's all in your head, right? Is it? You have watched me do this job your whole life. You have the Starfleet IQ, you have the experience, and you have the commission to know that you're ready.
6: But it doesn't mean that I am ready. If I sit in that chair, then it makes all of this this real.
8: Do you trust Commodore Jaconde? Of course, he's a war hero. You should trust that he trusts you. And you know that I trust you.
6: How can I possibly sit in that chair? It's yours, not mine.
8: Well, it's time it became your chair. with you, no matter what station you sit in. I love you. Red Line on Dental
2: Conduit
1: Number 2. You'll yeah. yeah. to emergency yeah. evacuation protocol in place for main
6: deflector section. Attention all hands. This is Commander Allenby. If you'll turn your attention to your screen, you will know our current flight path. We will be passing through the most dense portion of the Delure radiation field. Phenomenon created in the aftermath of a massive supernova. While we pass through, main power will be diverted to the shields. Warp travel will also not be possible at this time due to the phenomenon created by the intense electromagnetic field. As a result, we'll be going to gray mode GQ3 to conserve power. Please limit all non-essential power usage until further notice. Bridge out.
8: All decks acknowledging GQ3, Commander.
6: Commander Shruve. Raise shields and set the intensity for 110% of nominal output. 110% of nominal output. Set a course directly through the supernova remnant to a position proximate of the cavus alpha sector, maximum impulse velocity. Force and speed are set. Engage.
8: 53%.
5: Repair update. Containment reestablished on deck two. Sick Beta Bridge. Go ahead. This is Dr. Ava. Security alert urgent. Something is wrong with Nurse Toprin. She attacked Dr. Estevez with a knife. What?
3: Security acknowledged. Commander Williams. I'm on my way. <laughs>
5: Nurse Supreme? That can't be right. Never underestimate the treachery of Vulcans.
6: Well, this is off to a great start. I wonder what's next.
2: Warning,
1: hyperonic radiation
2: levels rising. Lethal exposure levels. Deflector shield output exceeding maximum recommended intensity. General quarters now
4: in effect. Let's be careful with the plasma flow. We don't want to burn out the emitters. Captain
3: to security. Security, Commander Williams. I need sick bay secured and on alert as soon as possible. Aye, sir. Dr. Abel, what happened?
9: Well,
5: I thought something was off and then she just started tearing the place apart. And she came at Dr. Estevez
2: with a knife and she cut her arm.
3: We're talking about Nurse Duprin here.
2: We've never seen her like this. It's like she just snapped.
3: (sighs) Okay, well, we don't want to alarm or spook her. We definitely don't want to hurt her if we don't have to. So I'm gonna go in there calmly I'm we'll gonna try and talk to her. And if I need you, I will call for you. Until then, stay alert. To print everything okay in here?
2: I'm just cleaning up this mess.
3: <laughs> Isn't it uh, illogical to make a mess in the first place?
2: Logic. Logic is a joke told by a culture with no sense of humor. The irony is that repressing our emotion is motivated by fear. Fear of our passions, fear of ourselves. And logic fuels our arrogance. That's why I joined the Med Exchange program. I couldn't stand it anymore.
3: Why open up about this now?
2: Because in my arrogance, I thought this condition would never happen to me. That I could repress it like everything else.
3: Repress? Um, repress what exactly?
2: It's called... Ponfar.
3: Blood... Fire?
2: Close enough. We don't discuss it with outsiders. Of course we don't. It would destroy our facade of logic and control. Ponfar is total loss of control.
3: This is, a, is, this like, is this an illness? Are you ill?
2: Illness, no. It's a part of Vulcan biology, our drive to mate. Ah. We mate, or we die.
3: I can see how that could be a problem.
2: A problem we typically solve in the safety of our home world, like the ship's previous CMO chose to.
3: Oh, so then we just need to get you home then.
2: I came here to escape what this means for me.
3: I mean, it appears to have caught up with you, and I, I don't know how to help you.
2: I've always found you to be a man of great compassion.
1: That's
3: why I carry a phaser.
2: I greatly admired your efforts recently, evacuating those injured colonists. Just do my job now you wish to help me. Admirable. passion is so admirable.
3: Hold on, hold on. Listen, I don't want there to be any misunderstandings between us. Like, you are so beautiful. There's no way I could take advantage of you in this situation. You know, uh, my plan is you have to consent to something like this.
2: Do you consent to Kunut Kali fee?
6: Yeah. I'm getting reports about a lot of loud noises coming from in there. What's going on?
3: I was ordered by Commander Williams to stand guard. He's been trying to calm
7: Nurse to down for over half an hour.
6: Whatever he's doing obviously isn't working. We need sickbay up and running. I'm going in. Nurse DePrynne, is everything okay?
1: Indeed. Oh.
6: What happened to you?
1: Oh,
3: well, I, uh, I took Vulcan in high school and uh, passed with a D, and uh, I think I just got married.
5: We are clear of the stellar remnant and the Tau Cygnus star system.
8: SickBay reports no radiation casualties.
6: Bridged Engineering.
2: Engineering. Ioka here.
6: I need Warp 8 for as long as you can hold it.
2: I can give you Warp 8.2 for just under 48 hours.
6: Estimated time to the Cavus Alpha sector at Warp 8.2? 47 hours,
5: 12 minutes will take us to the L1 Lagrange point of the fourth planet.
6: <sighs> Cutting it right to the edge. Warp 8.2 it is then. Commander,
5: there's a Vulcan ship approaching on an intercept course, Vashar
6: class. That's, that's one of their military vessels. They're hailing us. On screen.
8: Greetings, Starship Excalibur. To whom am I speaking?
6: Commander Allenby, First Officer.
8: I've comfort to Prim. If you could transport her to my ship as soon as possible, we will, as you humans say, be on our way.
6: I, I, I don't understand. Nurse Tuprin is a valued member of our medical staff and we are on an urgent mission for Starfleet. I can't exactly spare her for a vacation at the moment.
8: I think you misunderstand me. Tuprin is my wife and the property of my family. She will be returning to Vulcan with me permanently.
6: Excuse me? No one is anyone else's property.
8: Perhaps in your culture, this is the Vulcan way. It's a better way. Logical.
6: I need to at least speak with her first. I can't just release her if she isn't willing to go with you.
8: I'm afraid you don't have a choice.
6: Commander, they're locking particle
5: weapons on us. Shields up, arm phasers.
8: Commander, Starfleet Command has been informed of the situation and has ordered your cooperation. I don't think it would be wise for this to become an interstellar incident. Receiving confirmation on those orders, Commander.
6: If you'd be willing to beam aboard, we can discuss this further and avoid an incident. Commander Sherv, we have the con.
2: generation is now complete how do you feel
3: oh, much better and i'm glad you're feeling better
6: thank you for helping
1: me yeah
6: nurse to please report to briefing room one
2: Svan is a powerful Vulcan politician, and he is my husband. Husband? Vulcans attempt to bring logic to the challenges of our mating biology through what you would call a dowry or an arranged marriage. I was betrothed to Swan by my parents when I was seven years old. Wow. I joined the EXO Medical Exchange Program to escape that arrangement. On Vulcan, we have a word for the type of politician that he is, but it would be unbecoming of a Starfleet officer to repeat such a word. Well, I'm not sure how asylum would work here.
6: The Federation Council has ordered us to turn you over to him.
2: There is a Vulcan ritual that would release me from the marriage, but I would need Commander Williams' assistance and use of the ship's gymnasium. We'll discuss it with him and keep you updated. Dismissed.
8: Commander, I've been informed of and accepted the challenge issued by your Commander Williams for a battle to the death.
6: What?
3: I you're gonna have to tell the captain about this, huh? Good morning,
8: Commander. How was your first
3: night?
6: Pretty uneventful, sir. Commander Williams is dead, and we had an interstellar incident with the Vulcans. Hmm. Well,
3: just between me and you, I can't even take to print in sparring. I'm not for sure what kind of chance I have this guy.
6: Didn't you kill a bunch of Klingons on an away mission a couple years ago?
3: The more I think about this situation, the more it starts to make sense. I mean, Svan would have known that Tiprin was about to enter the Ponfar, and that she would be more than willing to go with them due to being compromised by it. Ponfar? Oh, it's, um, it's like being in heat.
1: Oh... Mm-hmm. Huh.
6: You know, when she said ritual, I thought she meant lighting some candles, some smoke and chanting, doing some Vulcan yoga. Ooh.
3: Yeah. Vulcan yoga is awesome.
2: Do not choose him as my champion. I will fight for my own freedom. I see no
8: logic in killing my own mate.
2: Vulcan tradition gives me this right. Logic be damned, I'm not going with you. You will have to kill me according to our laws and tradition or I will kill you.
3: Very well. kick his ass.
8: Nashby, Don't
3: matter of physics and anatomy.
6: First officer's log, supplemental. The Vulcan ship has set course back to Federation space, and with the excitement of a Vulcan marriage ritual behind us, the Excalibur is on course to resume its mission. Hopefully, with the night shift almost over, it will be a quiet morning.
2: Nice uniform. Thank you. Commander Allenby has sponsored my enlistment into Starfleet.
3: Oh, so no more civilian.
2: Net exchange program? No. I'm here to stay.
3: That's excellent. That's great news.
2: May I assist you, Commander?
3: Oh, um. Well, I, uh. Yeah, I don't know.
2: Um. I'm grateful for your assistance about that
3: um i was wondering if there's anything here for us
2: perhaps however i think without the pressure of previous events it might be prudent to take a step back and approach the situation with caution
3: so in other words, you're not sure if you want to get into a committed relationship after just getting out of an arranged marriage. Indeed. Well, I get it. I get it. Um, honestly, I'm just happy to help and uh, compassion and whatnot.
2: Perhaps a human ritual would be acceptable. A shared meal as colleagues.
3: Lunches, friends. That that sounds perfect.
0: Welcome back. This is our critical, not cynical review. I am Big J here with Nico and Vant. We've got a special guest with us, Joshua Irwin, who is the writer and director of the film you just watched or listened to, The Needs of the One. So, that was a spectacular film. I sure was. it was the production value of it looked very good. Everything was just it was nice. It was really nice. I want to ask you, how did you pull that off?
7: Oh gosh. Boy, is that a story.
0: Um, <laughs> That's what we're here for. You know, Let's this
7: was, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. It was It was really simultaneously one of the lowest and highest points of Avalon there was. Um, there's, a, there's an inspirational speech that I listen to a lot from a guy named Tony Gaskins, um, rapper, musician, and he talks about greatness and what greatness is. And he says that people don't really understand what greatness is. They think that it's fame. They think that it's, you know, shine and all this great stuff. But he said, it's more about sacrifice. It's more about hard work. And he, uh, one part that he says that I think is the most important, he says, it's your, your sweetest dream and your darkest nightmare at the same time. And that's, that's really sometimes what film is. And, um, 2021 and 2022 were really difficult years for Avalon because, you know, there, we, we were, there was so much fallout from the pandemic. Um, I'd lost my job. I'd lost my business. I was barely getting by financially. And I had also in the middle of it decided that the whole thing was just headed in the wrong direction. And I needed to find a new direction for the entire fan film series and in trying to figure out the new direction there were some missteps and there was some ugly drama that happened early in 2022 and i had to stop and i had to re-evaluate from the beginning my approach to making these fan films and i did that and tyler donovan supported me and we basically started over needs of the one is a a reset it's it's hitting the reset button it's an entirely new cast with the exception of warren hawk who plays commodore jaconde um and and so um alexandra rexford who took up the mantle of playing commander michaela allenby um we're we're establishing her in that role and that's why you kind of have this little graphic at the beginning that shows who she is and then, of course, we're equating her with her father, which is uh, Admiral Michael Allenby, played by Dan Reynolds. And so we wanted to set a new tone for the whole thing. Um, the idea really came from one scene, uh, that that scene where she basically pawned Farr's, uh the security officer was really the genesis of the entire film. Like I'm, I thought of. I'm that glad to use that well. as a
0: verb. You got Ponfar. Yeah.
7: It's <laughs> like, what? Wouldn't it be neat if you if you saw like this woman who is the aggressor and she's going through Ponfar and and she's like so much stronger than a dude and she just manhandles him and like he's he's kind of like. Well, you know, I we're in my culture, you have to consent to this, and she's like, "Well, do you consent?" He's like, "Yeah, <laughs> you know, of course I do." Like, what are you talking about? And then, and then I, you know, I thought it would be funny to see the aftermath of that, where she's like walking out, and she's all, you know, she's back to where she needs to be. She's logical and stuff again, and then he's like walking out. And I think in the script I wrote that he looked like he'd been mugged by Nausicans noc- or something like that. <laughs> he had a black and, eye too. Uh, yeah and so i just I, that that scene was where where the whole thing came from and that scene was going to be part of another film and it just never happened and i thought wouldn't it be funny just to take that idea and play it out a little, a little more and uh you know i watched a lot of vulcan themed episodes in the original show and the thing that really stood out to me is the attitude that vulcans seem to have towards women in their culture where um, you know, in a mock time, they talk about to pring as being a possession, like whoever wins this fight owns her. And I thought, okay, that's, that's pretty crazy. And then when you see Spock's father and Spock's mother, he's really just sort of commanding her. Like my wife attend me, you know, in, in Kirk's like isn't this a little weird for a human woman to be doing and she's like well it's the vulcan way captain it's a better way it's logical and so i thought wouldn't it be interesting to explore that topic of this arranged marriage thing where you have a vulcan who doesn't really want to go along with all this not just from the standpoint of the arranged marriage but maybe the vulcan doesn't want to be logical maybe she wants to find her own path and do something different and explore emotion. And so that's really where that character came from in a wider sense. And I thought, okay, it all comes together in a really neat story. This is about somebody fighting for their life. and 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 I I really enjoyed writing the story. I thought there would be some some comical elements to it for sure, because I like I like to stay lighthearted and fun. And maybe I go a little too far sometimes. You know, it is a little much in some places. But you know, we had fun making it. Um, Tyler Donovan, who plays you know one of the lead characters of Babylon Universe decided he wanted to just come out and hang out while we were filming and he got in makeup as a Vulcan and he had this beard and I was like, dude, you look like Cybok. And then so I just credited him as Cybok in the credits, you know, and it's like, you've got your your lead character of your whole fan film thing, but he's just there playing a different character. Who cares? We're having a good time. That's the whole point. And I think the most amazing thing about Needs of the One is that it came from some some really difficult times some really hard times but you know again going back to that that speech from you know uh tony gaskins he says greatness isn't isn't what you become it's what you overcome and this was one of two or three times that i could have just let avalon universe burn to the ground and i decided I'm not going to let go of it i'm going to do what i have to do and i you know i hired a new crew i hired new actors and we just started over in a way and it's it was one of the most wonderful shoots we ever had we shot it across three days and we just had a wonderful time everybody who uh participated had a wonderful attitude uh the film was photographed by my friend david huff who i work with on indie films all the time um the the cast were superb they just all had a great attitude and the the mood on the set how everyone felt how everyone was having a good time is reflected in the film mm-hmm. you know you can see we're all having fun and, and I think that that's the most wonderful part of it um Cora Wilson who played Tuprin, In real life is a, she owns a martial arts school with her husband, Brian. And if you ever met Brian Wilson, the guy is the literal incarnation of Chuck Norris. He's just cool, man. He's got the beard. um, He can kick butt just like Chuck Norris. Um, And she was a honest to God cage fighter. Um, And so what was really neat about that is that I could describe the progression of moves for her. And she knew what I was asking for. I could say, okay, butterfly sweep, Coriando pass, uh, neon belly, full mount, punch to the face, turnover, full guard, triangle choke, you know, like I could go through the progression and she could just do it because in in another situation, she'd be teaching me how to do that because she's much more skilled than I would ever be. So it was neat to have someone who, was uh, a skilled actor and a skilled martial artist. I think that the the most uh, amazing part with the actors involved is that they all showed up, not just knowing their lines, but they all had hard things to say, and they just they just went for it. You know, you have you have parts where where Alex says some really complicated monologues, and she just you know you rolled camera and she just did it. It, it okay we'll do another take but you got it you know it was the same with cora the f- first scene that cora filmed was the scene where she she pawned Farr's commander williams and she goes through that whole, whole speech where she's talking about you know the issues that she has with vulcan culture she got it the first time you know she knew yeah. it and she, as she's walking on set and i'm saying uh to her this, is, this scene makes or breaks the whole movie. You know, like the first scene she's shooting, I'm like, this one scene makes or breaks the whole film. And no pressure, you know, but she she went in and she just nailed it. And um, I, I was so impressed with, with every member of that cast. I was so impressed with my friend, David Huff, who came and worked so hard to film it. And uh, it, it's a wonderful and memorable experience. It was a beautiful sunrise to a very dark night uh, and it has a special place in my heart.
0: That is excellent. That's, I loved everything you said there, you said there,
7: <laughs> and
0: Vance, V-Man, can we hear from you first on your thoughts and impressions?
4: Well, first off, when I was watching the movie, I, I there was a, a, a real shock to me because I'm watching the movie and i'm going i i like a lot of things about this movie i like the vulcan lady uh forgive me if, uh, i'm terrible with names so i'm not gonna refer to them by name um you know i like the vulcan lady i like the security guy um but then, I, but then all of a sudden i'm watching the movie and all of a sudden like my face pops up I'm like what's the <laughs> fu- I'm, I'm i'm in this film holy shit, i'm in this film <laughs> i didn't i didn't realize I. wow uh and I remember like a long time ago, I'd watched a film. Like I forgot completely that I had seen this film. Um, but Dan Reynolds had had a birthday a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, for those that don't know, Dan Reynolds is one of the owners of warp 66 studios. And I had seen his picture, uh, in this, from this film, uh, from his scene with the, uh, Allenby character. And I was like, man, I don't think I've seen this film. I I, want to watch this. So that's why I set this up for for this show uh, so that we could review this because I honestly one fuck forgot that I would seen it. Um, So I was like, I want to watch it because, you know, why not? And as I'm watching this, I'm like, man, I, I, I must have skipped a lot of this the first time I watched it or, or watched it and tuned it out, maybe made dinner or something. I had this on in the background. But as I'm sitting there watching it, focused on it, I'm like, man, this is a great film. And then I pop up. I'm like, oh, man, I'm in it. I yeah, I didn't even know that. So I, it was a shock to me. Um, but I really loved uh, the the joy in, in the Vulcan. Um, she was a pleasant character. I liked that. Um, my favorite Vulcan is Tuvok because of, for lack of a better word, the, the humanity in, uh, the, the character's inflictions and, and his voice He's not just the emotionless type Vulcan. He, there's a lot of passion in his voice, uh, for someone who's so passionless uh, or emotionless. Um, I, I love Tim Russ's portrayal of a Vulcan. Um, I, no offense to Leonard Nimoy's fans, and I mean, no disrespect to, to, you know, the, the legend himself, but I, I prefer Tim Ross, but I, I loved this Vulcan, uh, and, and what she brought to the table. I thought it was something a little different. Um, uh, and ironically enough, they <laughs> they had a little arc with Spock doing the same thing, exploring the emotion. Uh, and for those of us that uh know how cbs loves to pluck the uh fan film world (laughs) you know uh josh this one goes to you buddy uh for them (laughs) plucking ideas you know uh it seems you had a good one there and cbs decided Mm -hmm. to use that one uh but i i really i tell you my favorite character in this um has to be the security guard um because it would be very easy for this type of story to tell a A hubba hubba type story or a, uh, you know, a soapbox type story of, well, it's not right for her to do that to him. And it's let me get on my agenda here. Um, But I found him uh, really a heartfelt character, you know, of this is my friend. uh, And of course, I care for you uh, as a person, you know, as he's reaching out to her. Um, and I liked that a lot. Um, I, I bought it as, uh, I, I felt the, the person come through uh, behind the character. Uh, I felt like I knew him as a person, not just as a character. And I liked that a lot. And afterwards, when I talked to to Josh, I said, yeah, that a lot of that was him, you know, uh, you know, shining through. And I liked that a lot. I think, um, when you can find someone that's genuinely, uh, positive like that, um, you know, that that's that's a good thing about these these films is you, you find characters that you're like, Man, I i wanna know more about that. You know, your your Captain Chicande's and your, you know, Captain Ramirez and your Captain uh you know, whoever's you know, they're great, but I'd like to know more about that guy, someone who's just your average Joe that's like, Hey, my friends, you know, obviously in trouble. What can I do to help you? You know, i I feel like at the end of the day despite religion despite politics despite whatever i feel like at the end of the day all of us would be that type of person that whatever our personal differences we'd all reach down and and lift each other up out of the muck um and i loved seeing that here um it was a good story to me i really couldn't find many flaws with it um and obviously some people in fan films could you know those that are obviously looking for a flaw but for me I couldn't, I went in wanting a good time and I left a good time. So, uh, and I know the behind the scenes stuff Josh is talking about. I I couldn't see any of that in front of the camera for what he was talking about. So I think you set out to do the, the, the goal you did and make an entertaining film, Josh, I thought it was great. Well, thank you. Um,
7: you know, you, you bring up, um, Wade King was the name of the actor that played Commander Williams. About, about the about the nicest guy you'll ever meet in your entire life. Really easy to get along with. Really hardworking and dedicated actor. Also a martial artist. And his character was based on somebody who's really important to me. Somebody who is is deeply loved and valued by me. And that is my martial arts instructor. Uh, his name's Nathan Murdoch and uh they call him they call him no mercy he, he also was a cage fighter uh and he was he was a beast man he could he could he could just take so many people out i mean and when people started talking about this guy like oh this dude knocks people out and all of this i was like afraid of him i was like man do i want to meet this guy <laughs> and then i meet him and, and he's the nicest He's like a, just a teddy bear. He's like, hey, what's going on? You know, just this Zen quality to the man where he's, he's absolutely in touch with his whole being. And he's kind and he's thoughtful and he's smart and he's easygoing. Now you get, you put some gloves on the switch gets thrown. Don't mess with him. But, <laughs> but he was so easygoing. And so like, that's kind of what I put a lot of that into this character where it's like, yeah, you know, just going with the flow. Like I, I think I just got married. You know, <laughs> like I, <laughs> I love that. I fa- <laughs>
9: he didn't I quite outland. I barely have a
7: clue. passed Vulcan in high school, but I think I just got married. Hey, let's go with it. You know, <laughs> and uh, man, Wade just had a way of exemplifying that of taking with, taking it and run with it. Like, yeah, Vul- Vulcan Yoga is awesome. You know, um, and I love that. I love
4: what he did. Um, so it's like, you know, you get the right people involved and, and great things happen. The one thing I think that works about the Avalon universe um, and I I think is an example of a fan film done right uh, is uh, when your <laughs> fan film character feels like your average person that just happens to be in the Star Trek universe instead of, you know, trying to be an over the top, you know, caricature of a kirk a spock and coy you know when they just happen to be your average joe that eh, i work in starfleet and this is my job you know because i mean at the end of the day that's kind of what starfleet is you know when we watch tos or we watch next gen you know those are the man the best of the best the creme de la creme you know um not everybody is that you know those are the exceptions not the case And when i watch like when i watched this film you know it was nice to watch. you know be like man i could you know, I, I don't like to be hanging out with this guy because he seems like your average Joe. I like that because it makes it more relatable when you watch something you can relate to. You know, uh, it's it's it, it's a good time. You know, um, it's it's not someone that's perfect. It's someone that's ah, he's flawed. He's got his moments, but you know, he's a good cat. You know, uh, I I like the fact that you brought up the <laughs> the, the kind of flaw. <laughs> In the Vulcan mentality, with the property of of, of females per se, uh, you know, almost almost like a Ferengi, you know, where you know females are property. You know, um, it's not really explored and uh, you know, it, it's often ignored. You know, we, we think of Vulcans as uh, uh, enlightened, but I mean, they they have kind of some shady practices. It's like, nah, that's that's not that's not too kosher, you know. Um, but I, I like how you kind of draw attention to it, but you don't draw so much attention where it's like that's the focal point. It's like, nah, eh, no, it's it's here, but that's not the point of it. And I do like how uh, she kind of steps out from that and says, "I want to take my own path." You know, she's not dis- she's not disregarding her old culture, but she's like, "Let me let me step out on on my own and do my own thing." I, I enjoyed that a lot. I thought it was I thought it was good for the character and, and expanding upon what we already know instead of retreading old ground.
7: One criticism I get a lot in the comments is people like not really understanding what's happening in the sense that they'll say, oh, she wins the fight and then she smiles. That's not very Vulcan. And I'm like, are you not paying attention? (laughs) You know, she smiled because she could, because she realized in that moment she was free and she could be herself and she, she had that release. And i what i what i told her was at the beginning you're more reserved you're more logical and then as the film goes on you start to open up and show more emotion especially in that moment because that's such a big victory for you you're free and then you haul it back just a little bit to be careful
4: but but yeah well, i mean one thing one thing that people seem to forget about vulcans um and they they instantly think, oh Vulcan with emotion—that's instantly a Romulan—and that's not that's not the case. Um, Vulcan, you know, Romulans went down a, a distinctively different path than Vulcans did. But choosing logic is is a choice. Um, you you can choose not to. You can choose. It's just like colon R. You you choose to remove all emotion. You you choose like they're all different choices. And I like the fact that you. You know had her choose a different path you know when she smiles again it's like anyone that's been you know held captive per se or you know you stayed at a job too long that they weren't you know and they finally walk away they're like fuck this i quit and they storm off and they're you know they breathe that sigh of relief to me that's how i took it was like she's breathing that sigh of relief because she you know she's no longer under the reins of of being forced she's making that choice and and people tend to forget the fact that you know hey logic is a choice you know she's not disregarding her old race she's not throwing everything away but it is it is her choice to do what what are we doing it's like when someone walks away from a religion you know what what do we keep what do we choose to believe you know and it's like that it, it not every vulcan is completely 100 percent conformed logic you know um i mean how many times did did spock uh crack a, a slight joke or be sarcastic and then he kind of has that bemused look on his face i mean it, it, to, to me that just screams like oh my god how's he so sarcastic how you know it's it the world is collapsing now you know it's like there's <laughs> several different degrees of of you know how you can take it you know that logic and sarcasm it's like who's to say for who what the right choice is so to me i, I completely saw what you were talking about again you what you're referring to is the the nitpickers that you can't the, the difference between being critical of something yeah. and being cynical of something and, and you can't please those people <laughs> the ones who don't well, want I mean,
7: to be and pleased. then you get
4: you get a lot of nonsense
7: like people bringing <clears throat> up the 1973 franz joseph technical manual and telling you you got this and that detail of the spaceship wrong and you're like well that's this is an alternate universe so that doesn't even matter you know it's i think the i think the weirdest (laughs) criticism i think the weirdest criticism i got was somebody was like i read this book about vulcans in 1971 and it said that 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 the that Vulcan women aren't strong like the men, and I think that you should have tried to make it like this obscure book that I read. And I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're telling me that I have to align my fan fiction with some obscure book because you think I should. And I, I think I replied and I said something like, you know, there have been like 800 Star Trek books written, man. I'm sorry, I haven't read them all. And and somebody else was like, what an awful thing to come and say like you should align your fan fiction with somebody else's fan fiction that's not how it works and so you just you just get all kinds of people that will say bizarre things but you know the the film is generally well received like a lot of our um a lot of our films it's got like a 98 positive rating you know when you look in the analytics and it's got you know it's it's um it's in the 40,000s view range it's like 44 45,000 views something like that um, and so it's like you know it's like talking about you're you're slowly building back you know you had films the previous year that were only doing you know we we started out we got like 200,000 with our first film and then we were getting 100,000 and then we were getting 50 and it was kind of trailing off And this was kind of a slow build back where it was, you know, it did really well, and now the films we've released this year are getting better, you know, getting more views, higher view counts than, you know, they're they're passing films from two and three years ago. So um, people are responding pretty positively to what we're doing, and it's good to see kind of a recovery happening and seeing it all turn around.
4: the, Nico, the what one
9: thing that I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, well, I, at first was kind of wondering if she was wearing a wig <laughs> and, uh, and I, I even asked big J that is she wearing a wig. And so I, that was kind of a critical thing that I was looking at. And then I realized, I'm like, you know, that is really cool how she kind of had this you know, um, more of that traditional Vulcan look. And after she won her fight, it's kind of like the caterpillar becoming the butterfly that she was able to have her own expression and be accepted for herself. And really, you know, she was able to kind of remove that facade that she had on kind of to hide herself into this new person. So I I thought, wow, what a really good way to portray that in, and it wasn't something that was said, it was just kind of shown. Um, so I, I really liked that. And I'm, I'm really amazed at how you said that like this cast was a brand new group and they just seemed so cohesive together. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the quality of the acting together and, and being able to be relatable characters to one another was just was great. And I think that whole idea of, um, you know, she, had the, uh, this problem. And then there's a loophole that she can do to get out of it. And, you know, so I love that in a way that was such a serious topic, there was kind of this humor to that aspect as well. Um, so yeah, I, I just really wanted to uh, share that. I, I really appreciated, you know, there are a lot of women that this topic is, uh, today, real life for them every day. And I, I loved the fact that, uh, um, it was problematic that command had said, you're going to turn her over. And they found a loophole for that part too. And then there was this new friendship and she actually was able to be sponsored and, and accepted in to the Starfleet in the end. So it was someone who basically she was fighting for herself, but she had a support group, um, of this community that brought her in and, and held her up. So I, I, I love that message. It's so Star
7: it was- Trek, isn't it? It's so Star Trek, you know, where some where somebody came from. And Vance mentioned something earlier that is something that happened with me in the past few years. Um, and it's like somebody walks away from something traditional where you're f- forced to conform in a certain way, and you need to you need to find who you really are, mm-hmm. and that's what she was doing, yeah. and the the interesting story behind that was that we'd had another Vulcan character many films back and this was a a young lady who was a friend of mine and we brought her in and i didn't want to put her in one of the bowl cut wigs and everybody was like oh why why does she have long hair and i got all these nasty comments about it And i was like why would i put this person in that and and then when we were about to film this we were we were going back and forth on the wig thing and tyler was like well it looks more traditional it looks more like a Vulcan and I was like okay let's let's go with it and I I hated how it looked but I was like maybe that's something we can use maybe maybe it can go from she's got this appearance in the beginning that's just all wrong that's not her and then at the end it's this coda where she's embracing who she is and maybe that's a, a visual element of the story that's not in the script. And we just went with it. Now, a lot of people, again, didn't get it. It was the same thing <laughs> where you just get comments where people are like, what, why did her hair change? What, what, What? why did she take off the wig? I don't understand. And and it's like, you know, sometimes, I don't know. I, I think that, I think you're disrespecting your audience a little bit if you spoon feed. Mm-hmm stuff to them, I think that you have to do a little bit of throwing some stuff out there and let it, let them do some thinking about it and some detective work a little bit and go, oh, okay. And so that's kind of what we did with this. And and um, there was, I think we got a comment like two weeks ago that was in Spanish and I like copied it and then I went to translate and it said, you know, why did she take off the wig? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
7: and it's so like, So like I wrote the answer and then I translated the answer to Spanish and I replied in Spanish. Um, but it's like, you know, Hey people, people will either get it or, or, or not. Um, you know, there's a thing we did in ghost ship where we had like the characters doing Arnold Schwarzenegger quotes while they were killing zombies and people either like that or they hate it. I mean, there's no in between people either think that's funny or they're like, yeah, I didn't, I thought that was weird. You know it is what it is sometimes you you i i think sometimes when you when you make a choice as a filmmaker where it's like sharply down the middle people don't like it or people love it maybe that's a bold choice i don't know i it's not going to stop me from doing it
4: well it's 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 one of those things man where you know anytime you go to a movie you, you're not going to have a movie that's going to please uh, everyone 100 percent, you know i i Personally, I, I like old Kevin Smith movies, um, not not so much as new stuff, but like you go back, you watch Clerks, Small Rats, Dogma, Jason, Amy, Jane, Sound, Bob, Strike Back. Like you go to them, and it's like, man, they're they're all I I think funny movies, but you know, any, any one of those jokes, like you may find a couple of people laugh at this one, a couple of people laugh at that one, a couple of people laugh at this one, you know, and it's like that that's one of the things, like any good movie there's going to be references to something or something that's done that you know not everyone's going to pick up on it you know and that's okay you know uh, those that do get it those that don't eh that's fine you know maybe that's not your thing or you know you don't have to get it it's fine but you know that's uh, going back to something you said earlier about uh, the you know 1971 Vulcan uh, book you know and uh, people saying why didn't you write about this reference that was in there um i've always found because uh, you and i have li- you know been around the block in, in fan films and we've kind of tipped our toes in, in in quite a few of them and i i tend to stay very vague on things whether it's star dates or uh who's on what and doing what you know it's like i tend to stay very vague i tend to just be like hey let's have a conversation on what ship are we on and let's go there and let's stick more to the conversation what we're talking about rather than the specifics of what is in the outside world all this doesn't matter you and i matter because we're talking um and i feel like films are the same way what is important is your specific story not everything else outside of it and i feel like even if it changes from film to film that's okay because as long as it doesn't get in the way of telling a good story and i feel like a lot of people get hung up on the specifics the micromanaging per se of what needs to go they they never actually get a story told um there's a lot of great ideas out there but they never get it fucking made because they're so worried about, Oh, you can't break this continuity because this star date, and this star date, and this, and this ship and this, and this, and this, how this star system is with this and how it's aligned with it, man, just tell a story, you know, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, who cares about all that, you know, if you can tell your story, man, it, you're ahead of the game and you're, you're 99% ahead of it, everyone else doing it. I'm saying you're better, but you know, at least you're getting it done. And that to me is like, you told a great story about a, in my opinion, he told a great story about a victim who was trying her best to overcome something, and she did it. And to me, it's like that's a relatable story. The fact that she was a Vulcan, it doesn't matter. So, it's 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 fine, you know. And I and I wanted and I wanted to tell that story in a different
7: way because people explore victimhood a lot these days, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. But there, but there's an eye roll way to do it, and there's a subtle, a, an uplifting way to do that. Mm-hmm and um the the, especially with the fight scene what i felt was important is okay like you know you see fight scenes where a woman fights bigger men and she just clobbers them or whatever you know there's all kinds of really highly choreographed martial arts moves and, and and a villain is defeated and this is something that i did in the past um and, and, and knowing and understanding martial arts, you have two types of techniques. You have high percentage techniques and you have low percentage techniques. A high percentage technique is a technique that is easy to perform. Um, so like you're, you're talking like a jab cross, you know, one, two. That's a high percentage technique. It's really easy to pull off and is very effective, but it's also very easy to defend whereas uh you a low percentage technique is going to be like a spinning hook kick you know where it's like really hard to pull off and you might slip and bust your ass but it it, but if you do it with exactly the right timing you're going to nail someone in the head with it um and watching fights on tv and movies Like 99% of what you're watching people do are high percentage techniques that would never land. It's too complex. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fighting is real barbaric in a way. And so what I wanted to show in this fight, and look, it's make believe, there are no spaceships. Okay, we get it. But at the same time, what I wanted to present was a realistic fight scene in which a smaller female opponent could could defeat a stronger male adversary in a realistic way. So if you watch this fight scene, what it looks like is if you were watching like a UFC fight where people stalk each other and then there's move and counter move and it's like a chess match. Mm-hmm. And the progression of moves she goes through is a realistic series that you would learn in a martial arts school to defend yourself. You know, she finishes him off with a triangle choke that she baits him into, where um, she goes for an arm bar, he kind of moves into the right position, and then she chokes him. Look, I've been triangle choked by women. You know, I've tapped out from it. It sucks. and so it's like, I I wanted to show something in that instance that was a little bit more real, that was a little bit more believable. And I, I feel like we accomplished that. Is it, you know, uh, a spectacle? No, it's not. But it wasn't meant to be a spectacle. It wasn't meant to be the Matrix. It was meant to be what it is.
0: I can just hear the outcry of the Trek beers like,
9: well, a woman can't beat a man. I, I liked <laughs> that she also, you're questioning whether she is actually going to win, that she was also struggling at certain points. So it is realistic, you know, she she is definitely not just, you know, gonna beat him up and he's done right away. So I, I love the sequence where, you know, there is kind of that back and forth movement and you're unsure and she's, you know, l- like leading him into her winning.
7: Uh, well, a hero or a a shiro, you know, they're made by the challenge that they overcome by the the opponent that they defeat, and if the opponent isn't very challenging, then the victory doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and so you know, we we had to show this was a guy who could who could really hurt her, and in the end, she. She actually won the battle by just embarrassing him more than anything else. He just gave, he, she, you know, she didn't kill him. Technically she was supposed to kill him. He just was embarrassed and and went, okay, I'm done with you. You humiliated me in front of my boys and now I'm walking out.
9: (laughs) And that's, that's the general, the general idea of like a lot of men is, you know, no woman can ever beat me. So that was great, you know, kind of a standard stereotype, but the way you did it was was very. There was a little bit of humor as he was, you know, leaving and you know, spitting and like kind of that. Oh, over the top and um, so yeah, I love that.
0: Every guy has that thought that you know I could go a couple rounds with Ronda Rousey. I I could <laughs> so, because yeah, no. you know I could. We all we all think, and I think that's a, a failing for guys that we just assume. Well, if we're fighting someone of the opposite opposite sex, we're going to win because they're not as strong, they're not as fast, yada, yada, yada. And I tell you what, okay, take your ass, put it in a cage with someone like that, and you're going to get worked over. It's, it's going to be pitiful.
7: Oh, yeah, I, I've been, I've absolutely had the floor mopped with me by women. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a thing. Um, Rod, Ronda Rousey was trained by a guy named judo gene labelle uh her origin is in judo and judo gene labelle there's an infamous story look it up he made steven seagal poop in his pants <laughs> he, he choked he got steven steven seagal in a in a choke hole and he uh passed out and pooped himself oh my god oh man so yeah he <laughs> wow. you know he, he he um he was one of the guys that that uh trained bruce lee on on how to properly be a stuntman in Hollywood, you know. So uh, it's an interesting pedigree there. But um, yeah, you know, it's there. There's there was a fight scene that we did in another film early on, which we did the opposite, where it was you know a small female heroic character fighting this big Klingon, and it's this really intricate fight where there's knives and ducking and all of this stuff and she defeats him. And I have gotten so many comments over the past five years of that is, nobody believes that, this is ridiculous. And somebody even like last week was like, the only reason you did this was to to show how tough this female character was. And I I replied and I said, I can't fight you on this. It's 100% what happened. You know, the the actress wanted wanted to do that. She wanted to do a scene like that. We did it. Um but in in the you know, year and a half that this film has been out, nobody has ever once in the comment section of the of the film questioned the realism of of the fight that happened at the end.
4: Well, speaking of having to overcome something there's there's another story in this film that's uh, i i feel is kind of overlooked uh because of how much of the forefront the vulcan storyline is and that's the the allenby story that is i mean it's just as as vital and it's 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 very much paralleled to the vulcan story she's having to overcome uh and this is two or three days into her joining the ship uh you know she's having to to take basically the night shift you know the the harry kim night shift you know (laughs) uh (laughs) um you know and uh you know all this shit's kind of falling apart on her shift and she's like man where's the escape pod let me just walk out the airlock you know uh and it's to me i i feel like it 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 goes hand in hand with with the vulcan storyline of two two people that are kind of in over their heads and they they kind of overcome it you know not together but simultaneously and i love how you uh i love how you blend those storylines together it it makes you love both characters and i like how she kind of she goes she looks at this and she's like this is this is jacked up i don't want to support this what can we do to, to to help her out you know i like that because it you've already introduced the characters one movie earlier, but this, you get a better introduction into who she is as a person, as opposed to her helping someone else. She's yet again, doing it, but you get a better insight into her as a person. Um, I, I liked, I like that storyline too. But again, I, I feel like it is kind of brushed off to the side because of all the action stuff, you know? Um, but it, it has just as much heart. There is, as, as the Vulcan storyline.
0: I think, um, Oh, sorry, sorry.
4: No, go ahead. No, you, I, I've been blabbering a lot.
0: So No, that's okay. I was just uh, going to make kind of the same comment is that for a half hour fan film production, you had an A plot and a B plot that you're able to squeeze in there and get done. You don't see that a whole <laughs> lot in fan films. And I thought, yeah, you know, that was usually it's just the, the one thing you kind of focus on, but... That's another thing I think you pulled off pretty well. And the, the, other, uh, the other part of it that I liked is that it's not your standard captain, first officer, chief medical officer story. You actually are dealing with a character who's the security chief, nurse, uh, commander, who's a first officer. You've got the navigator. So you're getting, you've, it had more of a variety in regards to, it wasn't that standard formula of like your top two or three roles on the ship that's getting, it's getting all the spotlight. So not only did you have an A and a B plot, but you did it with the characters that were the, were the positions and ranks you usually don't see have that much attention, at least not in the TOS days, of, of course. But you'd get that in, in TNG, DS9, Voyager, sure. But you had, you had less time to do that and still got two stories in at the same time.
9: I, I was and gonna you- say, I loved the fact that you show somebody who's really questioning and having a lack of confidence at the beginning. And she's kind of like complaining to her dad, like, I'm not ready, or I don't think I'm ready. And when she's presented with the Vulcan issue, she thinks on her feet super fast and invites, you know, the would be husband over. And I thought, wow, you really see her take the reins. And that's kind of the moment where we realize, you know, she's become from the caterpillar to the butterfly, where she's now seeing her dad and her dad's like showing her approval and, and she's gained that value of confidence. So I, I thought that was a really nice way to show her metamorphosis there um, with that second storyline that, you know, was ultimately there as well.
4: And the so one thing that I oh I'm sorry, go, go, ahead, go
9: ahead, John. Um, Well
7: the 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 character of of Allenby is uh, she's named for my 13 year old daughter. Oh and, okay. And so her um I, and my 13 year old daughter is uh, a very strong willed individual to be sure, and I love that about her, and I um I think in some ways she, I, I've made her my hero here. Uh, to a degree because it's like, you know, you, you make choices in life about who and, and what you want to be and, and whether you're not, you're going to let life get the best of you. And, um, that's really her story. And that story is going to continue. Um, it's funny because since, since we released that film, we have shot the entirety of that character's arc, you know, we have shot all the way to the end of her arc Um, because we've shot uh, several films past that now. And um, I'm working on one of them right now. And um, she's in the next film. the, the, The story is about her discovering who she really is or choosing who she wants to be in life and seeing in Crisis on Infinite Excaliburs the different ways her life could have gone and then, and then making the choice that I am going to be true to myself. And then that leads her in the once and future captain to make really important decisions about how to deal with what's going on. And so it, it's, a, it's, it's an important story arc. And, and I think that, you know, they give us enough time in these fan films. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a fun challenge to, to, play with a novella 30-minute format and that really tests your your storytelling skills Mm -hmm. and yeah I wanted to have an A and a B plot and I wanted it to feel like a Star Trek episode Mm
1: -hmm.
7: and I think that one thing that really um, does make it feel like a Star Trek episode is Adam Mullen's musical score I think that in every Every film that we've done that he's scored, he's really elevated the quality of the film. And he, he, in a way, makes the whole movie by, by keeping this bright, beautiful score going that is so Star Trek. And you're just watching there at the beginning and you're hearing those tones and it, and it looks and it sounds and it feels like a Star Trek episode and so i'm i'm really grateful to adam for that he's literally he's messaging me right now he's working on the score for crisis on infinite excaliburs while we're talking so it's uh it, it's fun man fan films are you know it's it's an opportunity for you to have a part of the universe that you love and 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 live part of the adventure
0: we should probably have him when we do our uh, little thing with crisis on infinite excaliburs which i think sure. that'd be yeah, you did, uh, put that idea in his head. I think that would be I will a, talk to him. A, a fun thing because you're right. The music really put me in the TOS episode. It really felt like I was there without it being a copy off of any of that music. So what he did, that was all original.
7: Yeah, that was that was wow. a, an original score.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that is unbelievable. He did really good on that
4: one thing one thing you going back to what you were talking about with uh going to like the the navigator the, the doctor this you know uh the different characters each one of them felt like they were fully fleshed out like you had the back already like they had been you know 10 episodes already filmed you know like they had been part of a crew. um you know and i don't know how much of that is credit to the actors themselves or the director behind the camera um but i i have to say that it was it was a real joy to watch the film and it not feel like uh a fan production and i mean that with no disrespect to anyone that uh it, does fan productions you know as me i've made some clunkers myself uh so i yeah <laughs> you, know, <laughs> how you uh, are yeah you know um but this this felt like people who lived and breathed those characters and knew exactly who they were as those characters like the uh the helmsman um she felt fully as that character um you know the the, the again the, the engineer uh, not into the Security officer, uh, that instant connection, and I—I I really loved everything they brought to the table. Uh, it, 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 you really, I, def- I
7: definitely credit the actors for that. I mean, <laughs> I, I really do because yeah, you know, we got, got <laughs> no some fun, fun going on in the background. Um, yeah, definitely credit the actors for that because. Um, you know, like you mentioned, you mentioned Jessica, who played the second officer slash helmsman. Um, she, I felt like she really stole the show in the scenes that she was in, because like that part where I, I basically just said to her. Uh, and uh, Andorians hate Vulcans. They just hate them. There's it's 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 you know, and you have to you have to show me that. And she was just like, Yeah, those Vulcans, you know, and, and just did a wonderful job of it. And it's like the polar opposite of how she is in real life. Jessica's like the sweetest person you could ever know in in real life. So um it's
0: never an time when you see V Man's background with yeah. getting video bombed. I love it. The last guy. Might be the same guy. I Made mean, it look like something from The it's, Ring.
4: Was that it? All the long hair. <laughs> it's it's the same guy. It's the same guy.
7: I <laughs> love. And look, it. when you, you you talked about you talked about fan films, you know, here's the thing. I I feel like that, and I like what you call the show critical, not cynical, because so many people. I feel like try to pick things apart instead of just going into something, knowing what it is and trying to enjoy it for what it is. When I watch a fan film, I keep in mind, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And I just try to get into the story and enjoy it for what it is. And look, there are a lot of, there are a lot of great fan film producers out there that are making wonderful content right now. We're, we're in this unprecedented era where there is so much like peace between the different fan film uh, series that are going, where we're all working together, we're all helping each other, we're having cameos in each other's films, or working behind the scenes to help each other out. That's rare in film. That's very rare in film. That's very film cool. is very competitive, yeah. and so to see to see groups of people working together to help each other. This is not normal. It's it's a very beautiful, wonderful thing that's happening, and I hope it continues. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I I want to be clear that when I when I talk about mistakes that I made earlier on in doing this, I'm not trying to slight anyone else that was participating. I'm not. Um, it didn't work out. With with some actors, it didn't work out with some people that worked on the project. Um, you know, that's a thing that happens. Bands break up, um, stuff happens. You people sometimes have different visions for for things creatively, and there's a and because people come from different perspectives, there is a lot of opportunity in creative endeavors for for conflict and for disagreement. I feel like. Um, I made a lot of mistakes throughout the course of of doing this, of doing Avalon Universe. And again, we talked about this last time I was on your show, Jefferson. That that's that's a tapestry, mm-hmm. and you and and there's a value to making those mistakes because, again, like going back to martial arts, the thing you want is is you want to lose so that you can understand how to grow. Mm-hmm. And if if there's been one thing in a universe, it's been the opportunity for a lot of growth. And, and you have to be able to admit to yourself, I made a mistake or I did something wrong and I need to grow from that. And, and there are ways that I had to really look at myself in the mirror before we made this film and go, why am How am I doing this wrong? and how do i need to adjust my approach in order to be a better filmmaker and i i had to change my approach to how i cast the film and i had to change my approach to how i made the film and you know right now with with crisis on infinite excaliburs we were going to release it on halloween and that's an important day for me because that's the anniversary of the, the first release we have ever had, Ghost Ship. It premiered on Halloween. It was this really neat thing. And I and the date was important to me. But we we started looking at the film and watching it and realizing, you know what? This has the potential to be a really unique fan film. And right now it's, to quote my friend Jonathan Lane, it's a, you know, it's a 7.5 and it could be a 10. It could be better, you know. And maybe if we just put another month in on some some little very correctable things, you know if we if if we put a little bit more time on the airbrush, maybe it'll be a way better film. And and I had to just, you know, pull my finger off the trigger and do what was best for my movie. And it was hard, but we did it. And and I feel like that the, the, the film we could have put out versus the film that we will put out, there's going to be a difference in the quality of it.
4: Well, having watched it an uh, early copy, uh, I can tell the fans, um, you guys are in for a treat because um, it, is, it is one of the best ones out there. Um, so you guys are in for something pretty special. And I, I don't and, say and- that's it. To- i don't say that to kiss under. your ass but it's um it is it is pretty good um it's it's what like 40 some minutes 45 minutes or so give or take yeah it's like 45 minutes long it's, yeah and it's it's a it's a quick it you know i watched it several times and uh it goes by so quick you know so many storylines overlap everything and uh you know, without going into any details, um, it is it is a very quick 45 minutes, uh, even doing other things and having it as background several times into the film. I'll find myself stop doing what I'm doing, and focusing on the screen and losing track of the other things that I'm doing. I mean, that's how good of a film it is. And I, I don't do that. I may be a, a one and done type guy for a fan film and then maybe background noise. Later, I've watched the film even in its rough draft capacity. Um, several times, just to be like, man, there's so much eye candy on that screen, um, on top of a good story. So, I mean, that you've it, even in the rough draft form, it's it's a great film. So, you guys are in, you guys watching are in for a treat.
7: Well, it's it's the direct sequel to this film. It, it the events in crisis on Infinite Excalibur directly follow the events of Needs of the One. Oh, okay, nice. So, Can't wait to see that. So, yeah. So yeah, so they you know, throughout the whole. Throughout the needs of the one they're like we got to get we got to get to the star system to figure out what's going on um and this at the the very beginning of it it's like they arrive in that star system to start investigating the mystery and it's like wow it only took us two years to get here Uh, (laughs) but but you know sort of a you know you go back to uh agent of new worlds i don't know if you've seen that one but Agent of New Worlds is sort of the start of that story. Now, of course, uh, Commander Allenby is played by a different actress in that film. But uh, that is the start of the the Commander Allenby story where she crash, crash lands on a desert planet trying to rescue her friend. They're rescued by the Excalibur. And then Needs of the One is like two or three days later. And then Crisis on Infinite Excaliburs is like two days after that. So um, it, it, it it all just kind of, directly correlates as far as a, a storyline goes. And then um, we have another storyline going on with um, our classic Avalon universe characters, uh, Captain Derek Mason and Jamie Archer, who have been with us since Ghost Ship. They were killed off supposedly in an episode, uh, uh, in some episodes early on, they, they returned um, and ha- ha- took up the mantle of a new storyline that started, um, in our film Cosmic Stream. And then in, at the end of Agent of New Worlds, there's, um, there's like a post credit scene that picks up on that story a little bit. But then what we were going to do is we were going to do like a, a, a parallel hero's journey where you would watch a story about, Commander Allenby and the Excalibur for 30 minutes, and then after that, there you'd watch a, a post credit scene that was maybe five minutes long about Captain Mason and Jamie Archer. And we just decided instead of doing that, let's just give them their own film. And so we took like about three post credit scenes and put them together and created a film we released in July called Knights of the Void. And that just kind of is their the continuation of their story. And then finally next year there's going to be a film called the once and future captain where the excalibur crew and commander allenby meet up in their hero's journey with captain mason and jamie archer and they all work together to uh save the day so um it's it's uh it's a fun like story to build and uh you know you can go to uh the avalon universe youtube channel Uh, Since there's so many fan films on that, the best recommendation I can give to you is just there's a playlist. It's just Avalon Universe. Just hit the playlist and watch, watch the films um, and it'll walk you through all of them. Um, My original vision for Avalon Universe was I was only going to make four films. Um, We started in 2018 with Ghost Ship and I had by the time we were on set filming Ghost Ship, I had the vision for all four films. Um, somehow that became like 15, <laughs> and um, we've we've taken some twists and turns along the way. That's for sure. But um, you know, I, I I wouldn't change it for anything because it's it's helped me become the person and the filmmaker that I I need to be. And and so I'm I'm grateful for all of the ups and downs.
0: And we're very much looking forward to all we hope you keep doing these because this is the first one i'd seen and i want to go back and watch the others i've got so much homework to do on fan films <laughs> it's ridiculous it's crazy cuz i'm i'm going to be talking to sam uh yeah. on uh, on monday and he gave me uh, several to to watch and look at and it's like yeah i'm i want to watch all of these and this is great i just i did not i didn't realize and i've told vance this this whole world of fan films is a lot larger than I thought. And it's yeah. just, it's, it's amazing that there are so many, um, uh, and that there are so many different, like, um, uh, how do I want to word it? Uh, pr- productions. Yeah. You know, you've got Dreadnought dominion, Avalon universe. And I, I know I'm forgetting. Like others. the Federation the Federa- files. The, yeah. Federation or... files. That's what I was trying to think of. And yeah. So well, I'll tell
4: you. A the, the couple of weeks ago, I, I marathoned uh, the Avalon universe because i i knew uh, I knew I was missing a few, um, and I was like, "Well, wow, screw it! I'll, I'll just go back. I'll, I'll watch all of them so I I, I know exactly what is going on." Because I was getting excited for for Crisis, and I just watched the the um, the early. Uh, release of Crisis, the, the rough draft that Josh had sent. And I was like, well, I'm on an Avalon kick. I'll do it. And it was, I think the, the all the, the whole playlist was like five and a half hours, give or take. <laughs> and I tell you, even that it was like five hours. Like it was like, man, it, it was, it was great. I mean, if you have a Saturday afternoon or something, you're like, man, it's rainy outside. I don't want to go anywhere. Let me get, grab a blanket, grab some popcorn, you know, just or maybe, maybe a little Caesar's pizza quick nod to josh for all of our little caesar's pizza we get on set uh that, that's our lifeblood on set together man um but uh you know it's it's a it's a quick watch all of those and i tell you it's it's you start looking at the universe of the avalon universe as its own thing kind of like the jj universe you know it's it's more than just a well I, it's its own branch or it's its own like you start looking at it going man this is this is great like this is a whole sandbox you can play with you start thinking of the possibilities and you're just like man what would a next generation avalon universe film be or what would a man what would this happen what would this you know you just start thinking of the possibilities and it's 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 great, man. It's, it's, it's a great universe to, to, to watch. So
7: every one of those, every one of those films is special to me. Every one of those films matters to me. Every one of those films in its own way is a wonderful memory. Um, And, and the thing is, is the story of Avalon universe is that it's, it's because of Vance. And I've told this story a lot, but, but we owe it to him. He, he is the person who inspired it. <laughs> he really is because I believe it. Um, you know, look, I, I, I started writing Star Trek fan fiction when I was 12 years old oh. and I wanted, I wanted to make Star Trek fan films when I was 12 years old. And I was like, Hey, let's go take this VHS camera. Oh, wow. That didn't turn out very well. Uh, <laughs> and I got, I get, I got bit, bit by the film bug. And, you know, I started doing a lot of indie film. I have two movies on Tubi. Um, I have a film that's about to come out in a thousand theaters that I worked on. Wow. Um, but it's like I I for so long would, would see a, a Star Trek New Voyages or a Star Trek Continues and think, man, I I wish I could be part of this. And for some reason, I always thought like that I would never do it very well, that I would just embarrass myself, that that, uh, you know, I'd reach out and say, hey, I want to work on, you know, your fan films. People laugh at me. Uh, I just I just didn't think I would do it justice. And, um, you know, and then you you see things like Prelude to Axanar come out in 2014. and You're like, wow, man, people are really doing some stuff and renegades and. Star Trek continues. And wow, this stuff is so cool. And you, you more and more think you're just a nobody and you could never, you could never accomplish anything. And I got to tell you something, there was, um, there was a Facebook group that was started when the guidelines happened called project small access. And it was a, you know, a support group for, Hey, let's, let's keep fan films going. And that, project small access eventually would had its name changed to fan film forum. Mm. And, and I, and I didn't notice it at first, but then I'm seeing this fan film forum and every day I'm seeing this fat guy post. <laughs> <laughs> and he's making a, and he's making a fan film. And I'm like, <laughs> well, what is this? And, and I, I clicked on it and it's, and I'm watching this and I'm going, this guy's in his backyard. You know? <laughs> he's, he's shooting it with his phone. And, and, and I, but I couldn't not click on it. And I kept watching and I kept watching. I'm like, and I, I had this realization. I was like, this guy has more courage than me. He doesn't care. He's not sitting there trying to think about his ego. He loves Star Trek. And by God, he was going to go tell his story. And he didn't care if Little Caesars Pizza was in the background.
1: <laughs>
7: <laughs> uh, and and I, I was just like, you know, this is a really beautiful thing. It was, it's a really beautiful thing. And I think that I just started commenting like, man, this is great. Congratulations. Keep, keep it up. And then he friend requests me. And then we're talking on Messenger. And then he's calling me. And he was the person who said, you need to make a Star Trek fan film. You just need to do it. And I was kind of like all over the place. And and we and my friends, my two friends at the time that wanted, we all wanted to do a film project together. And we were going through these different dramas, trying to figure out what we we're going to do in advance. I was like, no, you need to just do the Star Trek fan film. And he set it up. He was the one who called Ray Tessie and and put me in contact with him and said, you should go down there and do this. And and even from a, a creative standpoint i was watching him he would post like kelvin menard meets you know prime menard meets you know the phantom mirror Minard. and and i just made this comment like oh they're gonna get together and have the trans-dimensional council of menard as a joke and then that that was really the moment that was the inspiration for the concept of Avalon Universe. That was it right there, that moment. And in Crisis on Infinite Excalibur, we will have the Transdimensional <laughs> Council of Menard. Yep.
1: <laughs> I, I tell you, one
4: of the one of the best one of the best things was uh I love hearing Josh's impression of um, when I'm doing a fundraiser. Like everyone else does it like super duper serious, but (laughs) I tried my hand at that. And i was like, eh, it's not really for me, but Josh, do your impression of me doing the fundraiser because you do it so well. Okay. So, um,
7: (laughs) (laughs) all right. So I had done, I had done my video in that regard and this is in 2021 where I'm like, all right, give us, you know, with your help, we can do this and this, this year we're going to make these fan films and I and I set up and I did this really complicated light setup with my camera and I did like 20 takes and I and I spent like a whole day editing it and it was like really polished and I was like great and then Vance does this right he does he does his version and I'm like okay and I click on it and he's like again he's in his backyard and he's just got his phone in his hand right he's just like hey guys about walking my dog and I just figured I'd bring you up to speed on what we're doing this year on the Constar. If you want to help us out, Neelix,
1: Neelix, <laughs> come back, son, come back. <laughs>
7: anyway, so we're gonna do some brand new Neelix. <laughs> no, don't go, don't go past the trees, son. Uh, we're gonna do some great stories with the Nalix <laughs> <laughs> like he, He's talking about like the fan films he's gonna do and why you should donate and he's yelling at his dog. You know I mean? and, like... and I and I and I questioned everything. I was like, maybe this is, you know, no one's gonna remember what I did. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're gonna remember this.
4: <laughs> shit, I love it. Uh, see, this is why I love Josh, man. Like, I can always sit back and talk, shoot the shit with him. It is like this is why this is why Josh is a great filmmaker because not only can not only does he have the technical know how, but he knows how to take a joke. He knows how to make light of the situation. Like, he's a real person, you know. Like, he's so approachable. He's so fun, and yeah, man. I tell you, the best best time I ever had in in fan films, bar none, was when we were at Star Trek Las Vegas '55, and you know I'd been I'd been doing fan films for nine years, I think it was, and we're both behind the that giant screen thingy, Bob. Um, that's how technical I know things, like thingy, Bob. That's how I describe it. <laughs> <laughs> But like it's it's me and my boy it's me and josh you know and you know we're, we're 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 there and i remember we there's a selfie and we're both wearing like the covid masks and we're both like you know but we're we're taking a selfie in the dark but i'm like dude we got to take a picture remember this moment you know because it's like it's me and my boy this is the highest stage that i can think of and it's it's me and my boy you know and it's like i i love that dude so much he's so cool you know um Cause you know, he, he always like every interview, he's always like, you know, Vance, Vance inspired this universe. And it's like, dude, I'm just a guy with the phone. Like you, you have done something that is so much bigger, better. Like I don't deserve that credit, but he's always giving credit to other people. He's all, he is such a humble spirit. He has no ego. And that's what it's all about. You know, that's what making fan films, having fun with your friends, um, you know, ordering the cheapest pizza you can and having fun on set and just having a good time. You know, it doesn't matter if uniforms are a little too big or they don't fit quite right or you're wearing a t-shirt, you know, and your sneakers, whatever, you know, just having a good time, you know, and that's Josh, although he brings his A-game, he knows when to step back and be like, yeah, let's laugh. Let's let's, let's get the important stuff down, but let's, let's have a joke, you know, and that's, I love that dude. He's such a good guy. You know? And he really brought your A-game on this one.
7: You know, that's what that's what fan films are supposed to be about. They're supposed to be about friendship. You know, look, there was a there was a time when all of us Star Trek fans were the, the person getting made fun of at the lunch table. <laughs>
1: yeah.
7: You know, that was all of us once we were all getting made fun of because we were more into Star Trek than we were basketball or whatever else. I really, Everything else.
1: Yeah, I really you know? was
0: not an open Star Trek fan that much in, in school, but, you know, it got to a point where I kind of as a Star Trek fan came out of the closet. I embraced being a fan and for people to know it because it seemed silly. Like, wait a minute. Why? Why am I like acting like this is something I don't want anyone to know about?
7: I, I, I went into the closet, you know, like I was very much a, an out Trekkie when I was in elementary school. And then when I became a teenager, I sort of just hit it, you know, and tried to be more uh, approachable and mainstream and all of that kind of stuff. And it was just stupid. Um, you're not being who you are. And the fact is, is that this is an experience so many of us can relate to. We should be here for each other. We should be here trying to unite over what brings us together, not what separates us. Um, we, we all need this support group. We all need this, you know, we get into to fan films to make us happy, not to get angry, not to not to fight with anyone. We do this. And the way that I view Star Trek fan films is that I was going through a hard time in my life and I made a Star Trek fan film and it brought me an immense amount of happiness. Mm -hmm. And I look at other people that want to do this and I think they should have that too. Mm -hmm. They should have that too. And so I try when I can to help out with that or to be supportive of that. And Vance and I, we God, we've been through a lot and and when we got to star trek las vegas and it took some effort for both of us to get there that that was it was so wonderful to just be with it i've only met vance in person three times yeah. and so that was the second time that i had seen him in person and at that point in time i hadn't seen him in person in two years and so we spent like three days together hanging out and it was so cool and i You know, he talks about that moment. It's, it's special for a lot of reasons. Rod Roddenberry watched a fan film. Rod Roddenberry watched Cosmic Street. You know, wow, who can say that? That's amazing. But because they, they were playing our films at, at Star Trek Las Vegas. And I told Vance, I said, that's really, you got to understand this is, this is a stage where they're interviewing breaks where they're interviewing Denise Crosby or Michael Kuda or people real Star Trek people and they're interviewing you on that same stage that means that you have your own corner of the Star Trek universe that has made it and people have seen it and they can never take that away from you your character is just as relevant and matters just as much as Captain Kirk or Captain Picard
9: it matters to you I really love that, you know, you've expanded not only the universe characters and all that, but but by you making your films, you've expanded the universe for all of the fans. So, you know, you talk about making something that makes you happy. This is definitely something that, you know, for some of us who just have an appreciation and love the whole fandom, you know, we have another avenue to go down of watching something that, you know, we can see qualities there, you know, storylines are there and it it brings us that extra realm in there as well. So, you know, we appreciate that from, from this perspective. Well, thank you. I, let me tell you real quick what my favorite
7: moment was at STLV that year. So Vance and I make a lot of jokes about Harry Kim <laughs> uh, how, he's, how he's forever an ensign. Oh, and uh of course Garrett Wong was at this convention and we're we're just like walking down the hallway and Garrett Wong just comes flying past us, like Wang. running. Sorry to correct his Wang, Garrett Wang. Uh, Wang, <laughs> He runs past us. And I just shouted, he's running for that promotion. <laughs> 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 and he just he's just like ew and keeps going.
4: <laughs> and we also we also have the picture of that selfie with him in the background. Like it was yeah. I was we I was so disappointed. Him. Dude, we did we did we. If we were ever going to get kicked out, it was going to be because of that. You know, uh, I was so disappointed. The only picture I didn't get was like he's leaving. And I'm like, can I get a picture with you? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, and I'm desperately searching. I'm looking around like, where's Josh? If I could have been like Mechaneck, neck, like with my neck extended, looking around for Josh, I would have oh so <laughs> grabbed him. Like I would. And that, that's the only picture I really wish I could have gotten was me, Josh, and him because like we're always talking about, you know. Ensign Kim. I mean, how we even put that in our film where 32nd century, you know, there's Menard on his bridge and he's like Ensign Kim, you know, I mean, we're we're always making jo- and I only put that in my film because I wanted to make Josh laugh. you know, we're always making jokes about Ensign Kim. And I mean, to have Gary there, or Garrett there, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, there it's like, oh, this is perfect, you know, but uh, uh, yeah,
7: now we are gonna do we are gonna do a little film, uh one thing that's planned that's maybe like a, a minute or so long with David Chang, uh, where he's gonna be Harry Kim and we're gonna make a little film called Harry Kim's Bad Dream. So that's <laughs> that's something that's coming.
0: So everyone stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. For Crisis on Infinite Excalibur. Thank you, Josh, for taking the time to sit with us. And I'm you like Joshua. Joshua, I always feel like I should. It I should doesn't matter.
7: That. It's either way is fine. Okay, all right. But I you know thank you Jefferson for for having me and and taking the time to appreciate what we created. It it does really mean a lot your show's great man i i'm really impressed and i cannot wait to see you as captain cisco in a fan film i'm real excited about that that's i may I'm have hoping. to make you captain cisco in one of my films someday
0: that's what i'm hoping for now because it's no Shave november i don't look like cisco right now <laughs> letting the the beer grab and i see that look are me. i saw that I, because I see you right there on the screen. Oh my God, really? <laughs> so, but yes, I can whip myself right into a Captain Cisco look pretty quickly, and I would love to do that. And that is, let's do it, man! Absolutely. And I've I've even got. I I think I told you this, Vance, but uh, I ordered some stuff. Got some new, not so much official uniforms, but like what I'm wearing now, some pseudo uniforms ish because uh, I have. <laughs>
4: Now that i know you're doing the the cisco like once we get a script blocked and and we know like i can send you some links for some affordable uniforms because it's very easy to outspend yourself and i yeah. i would never want to make you buy something that you're just like well why did i buy it because i have a whole like i have probably close to 100 uniforms in my closet yeah. dude i yes I, <laughs> you, you can ask josh it's it's, it's huge um and realistically i mean it was take it took a couple of years to get there um i i don't want you to overspend on something you don't need to but once we get something locked dude we got you hooked up on on links to affordable and something that fits nicely as opposed to oh man this is, this is something you'd wear on halloween <laughs> so <Yeah>. I, don't, <laughs> I and, and as a large guy i don't like stuff that doesn't fit me properly so i We'll make it. We'll make it work for you, man.
0: You're going to be my resource because we're two big guys, and so yeah, we need uniforms with a little extra fabric to it. Yeah, I got you, man. I got you. (laughs) Thank you guys so much, and I wish Frank could have joined us. He was not able to make it for this one, but hopefully he will be on with us on the next one. Glad to have you here, Nico and Vance and uh, Joshua. Really appreciate it. And if you haven't already look up on YouTube, Avalon Universe, watch all these other films, and uh, keep your eyes and ears open for Crisis on Infinite Excaliburs. It won't be long, just a couple of weeks. Sounds all right. great. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You guys, so, have yeah. a good night, and live long and prosper. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can support us at patreon.com slash beyond trek.
1: We are Beyond Trek Podcast. Lower your inhibitions and surrender your years. We will add inspirational and hilarious Trek content to your day. Your attention will adapt to subscribe to us. Resistance is futile.